0: From Finance & Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you'll meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance & Commerce. Thanks so much for joining me. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop, In this episode, FNC reporter Brian Johnson takes a deep dive into design and development trends around regional malls with Damon Farber President Tom Whitlock and Principal Jeff McMinneman.
1: Okay, well, I'm pleased to be joined by Tom Whitlock, President of Damon Farber Associates and Principal Jeff McMinneman. Did I pronounce your name correctly? You got it right. All right. <laughs> Well, Tom and Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Uh, appreciate it. W- wanted to talk to you a little bit, especially about some of the work you've been doing, uh, redesigning mall spaces here in Minnesota and elsewhere. But I wonder if uh, one of you could just tell us a little bit, first of all, about uh, Damon Farber, how long you've been in business and uh, what types of uh, work you normally do. Sure. Uh,
2: Thanks, Brian. So, Damon Farber is a 41-year-old company uh, located in downtown Minneapolis for a landscape architecture and urban design firm. Um, The firm founder, Damon Farber, uh, really started the firm uh, based on the idea that a collaborative process will yield better results. So, he really built the firm around collaboration with architects on a wide variety of projects from campus planning to uh, higher education, uh, multi-family housing, corporate campus work, healthcare, really kind of anywhere architects practicing, we were there to kind of support uh, what they were doing. Um, and then I took over 12 years ago um, and the firm has really evolved over the last 12 years to Uh, focus uh, additionally with the clients that we already had around the architecture space but then also on urban design projects. Jeff leads our urban design practice um, and then parks and open space and plaza space. Uh, So that represents a good chunk of our work uh, today as we've expanded. So um, we're located in downtown Minneapolis, have been for our whole existence, uh, and uh, I don't know. We we have a new office in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, we work around um, primarily around 5 state regions, but we do work around the country um, on a variety of different kinds of projects like campus uh, planning and design work and some federal facilities as well.
1: Okay. And so, as I mentioned in my brief introduction there, I understand you've been working on some pretty interesting and innovative projects around uh, mall spaces. Um, What can you tell me about that, just kind of in general terms, and and what's driving and informing those designs?
2: Sure. So, we've primarily worked on the, the city side of the equation. So, we've been working, you know, these are really important assets for the communities that they're in. And, you know, certainly there's retail has always been changing and evolving since, since its first existence. Um, and, um, and that's no different now. But there are significant pressures, obviously, on retail from online retailers, discount retailers. You know, obviously, Amazon uh, has taken a big uh, chunk of that and, and, and the impact of COVID. Um, on that has even sort of sped that process up. So there's been a lot of, uh, malls in our region that have struggled, um, and are looking to kind of reinvent themselves. And, um, and so these communities are looking at these big chunks of real estate, uh, and wondering why they're not evolving quicker. Um, and, you know, the, they, they used to be owned by local Uh, local people and obviously retail is a a national level thing. So there's a lot of anchors that, you know, own 400 stores around the country. Um, and so trying to get their attention on a mall in suburban Minneapolis, uh, can be challenging. So I think communities, um, and, and, you know, these used to be islands. So people only approach these, uh, developments by vehicle. Uh, and now there's a lot of the communities that have grown up around these assets, um, and they're trying to connect to them. And they're not built for uh, you know pedestrian traffic or bicycles for the communities to easily access these sites. Um, so there's a lot of different kind of things going on, uh, pressures around malls. And I think cities are trying to figure out a way to help nudge. Small owners to really fulfill the original vision that Victor Groon had of Southdale. That it, you know, his original vision was that it would be a mixed
0: use center uh,
2: and then evolve to a, you know, 100% retail environment. But the, the real vision was to create a mixed use destination that had housing and civic uses and retail. Uh, and office space all clustered, um, around a significant asset. So, uh, and, and you see that in our market, you know, in some of the, um, what I would call kind of first tier malls. If you look at Southdale, there's, you know, been a lot of nibbling on the edges of that property with new housing and pop up retail and, um, and then also, and re-tenanting, a lot of these uh, mall owners, the first instinct is just to retenant, tenant uh, But that doesn't really transform how those facilities meet the needs of the community. Um, and so, you know, like Eden Prairie Center, you see they got a new Shields or Bridgedale has a, a new Dick. So there's a little bit of re going on to change the mix of uses, more food and beverage, more entertainment than what originally existed. Um, you know, even going back to when Southdale started to create, you know, the movie theater and um, you know, that sort of uh, bank of restaurants. And um so so anyway, so I think communities are beginning to see that. Um and we we were approached by uh, originally in Minnetonka around Ridgedale. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked with an a architect in Seattle and a, a market analysis group out of Portland uh, to do sort of a ULI one week study mm-hmm. on how that can better serve the needs of the community. So, uh, and then from that, I think the city of Burnsville saw. Challenges with Burnsville Center, um, and they hired us to do a similar study for them. Um, and then Blaine uh you know saw what's happening with Northtown. Um and they saw the work that we had done for Minnetonka and Burnsville and hired us to look at Northtown.
1: So what what can you tell us about one of the projects i noticed on your website uh, you mentioned minnetonka and i believe they call it ridgedale commons Um, uh, what can you tell us about that specifically and some of the work you've done there
2: sure so R- ridgedale commons um the, when we first got involved with ridgedale it was probably uh it's probably going on 10 years ago so these are these are a, a long process but so they had first worked with MinDOT to create new access off the of 394 uh, to the to the Loop Road, and then we worked with them to uh, reimagine the Loop Road around the southern side of Ridgeville Mall, integrating trails and public access as well as stormwater management, and, uh, and it really create a more positive first impression to the mall district. Um, And then as a part of that, J.C. Penney had, as a part of the master plan, there was envisioned a public park uh, on the mall property. Um, And J.C. Penney had five acres of uh, parking lot that they no longer needed. So they sold five acres off to Trammell Crow to develop a senior housing project. And then Travel Pro gave uh, the city of Minnetonka three acres back. Uh, I think sold it to them for a dollar. Um, and the city of Minnetonka wanted to develop a they, – they don't have a downtown. – there isn't a downtown Minnetonka, and Richdale really is their most significant kind of retail destination uh, within the city. And so they wanted to develop a four-season – kind of park uh, as kind of the center of the community and that's what Ridgedale Commons is um, and so we did a lot of public outreach as part of that effort. We did a rock concert uh, on the J.C. JCPenney parking lot to gain public input and kind of engage the community on what they wanted to see as a part of that park. So that just opened up this spring and um, mm-hmm. so the city is actively programming that and I think the city hopes that it will spur further housing development and mixed-use development on the mall property.
1: That sounds like a fun project. Um, uh, Jeff, did you want to chime in on any of that? or? Well, I wasn't involved
2: with the with the Ridgedale work, but I have been doing, I've been working on retail projects for 30 years. And mm-hmm. um, in America, and these are things that are, these are, Patterns that are happening across the country. We've been over-retailed for uh, for decades, and, um, and 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 these kinds of trends have been happening for quite a while now. Where shopping centers who that are not performing well um, are reinventing themselves um, into either mixed-use town centers, or um, uh, you're seeing a lot of retail areas transitioning to residential areas multi-family residential kinds of uses popping up along them. In some cases, it's infill. I think um, Rosedale uh, Mall here in the Twin Cities has got a plan for infilling some of the surface parking lots into more structured parking and more multi-family residential, even some open space kinds of uses. In other cases, like uh, I know in the Denver area, in Lakewood, there was an old mall almost around the same era as South. Southdale Center here called Villa d'Italia, and they were getting competition from a brand new mall that had gone up in the 90s called Irons Crossings, and, and Villa d'Italia was just sort of dying on the vine. So um, they were uh, the city of Lakewood um, and, uh, and landowners were able to get together, and, and that was a full scrape and reinstituted, refilled the, the, the 200 acres back in with the street grid from the neighborhood and created a whole mixed-use town center there, giving Lakewood, Colorado, their own downtown where they never really had had one. This was a first-tier suburb of Denver. And so today, that is a case where it's fully built out um, and it's a successful mixed-use environment that um, has got a number of different kinds of uses in it, including multifamily. It includes retail today still. Um, But, you know, the beauty of it is is that It creates a a greater source of revenue for the community with a diverse set of uses. It puts potential customers in close proximity to shops and services. And it's really capitalizing on what are desirable locations and in most cases along busy transportation corridors. So um, it's really a win-win for the community and um, from a sustainability perspective. It's got a lot of benefits to it because you're reusing a grayfield site site instead of building something new on a greenfield site, which is always more sustainable. Helps lower our our carbon input on the environment. Um, but there are some challenges with it. You know, we're seeing it um, in the Northtown Mall project that we recently worked on. For instance, you know, you've got multiple landowners, you've got complicated leasing agreements. And these are big challenges. You've got, um, infrastructure that's a challenge. This is like a 200 acre island surrounded by highways and really they're auto centric, right? So pedestrians have a tough time moving through these spaces. Bikes have a tough time moving through these spaces. They're fields of surface parking lots. So, um, you know, it doesn't work well from a stormwater perspective, but by, you know, Thinking about you know repurposing these into mixed-use centers, you have the opportunity to uh, better manage stormwater, um, bring you know enhance the pedestrian environment, enhance the bike environment, connect it better to the surrounding community, and in a lot of cases, um, really start to alleviate housing shortages in some of these communities. You know, and. and is changing. It's not just retail. There are other forces. There are demographic shifts in our communities. And so um, where, for instance, in Blaine, I know where it was predominantly, you know, uh, white uh, Caucasian population, it's becoming much more diverse. And you have younger people, uh, millennials and Gen Zers who are preferring uh, more walkable environments and um, and and Uh, different kind of living situations as well, smaller households. So multifamily housing seems to be a good answer for some of the shifts in in our communities. today.
1: Yeah, and to your point, there are a lot of different layers to this, right, which is part of what makes it challenging. You've got, of course, the landowners, the public, the the city, um, a lot of different interested parties that you have to somehow Include all their the, hear all those voices to um, come up with a vision that works for the greater good for the community, right? I mean, so, that's, so, what else are you working on these days? Um, what other projects, either a mall or um, or anything else that you're working on that's um, that you want to talk a little bit about? Sure. Oh gosh,
2: what are we Well, I mean, our our practice is very diversified. I I think one of the other kind of unique things coming out of COVID is um, just the pressure on office uh, and for corporations to be rethinking um, kind of how they meet the needs of their employees who may be working from home or maybe, you know, how to draw them to the office. So our our work in... um, for corporations has been sort of twofold. One, h- how to bring people back to the corporate campus and what are the kind of amenities that will help draw people back to the campus. Um, so we've been working with a variety of corporations across this region on enhancing their campuses um, to better meet the needs of um, kind of their diverse employees. Uh, and then I think that The other thing that we're working with is that a lot of these corporations have excess space and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their space Mm -hmm. Uh, and whether they shrink or sublease or, you know, something in between. So I don't know, Jeff, if you want to talk about some of the work you're doing in Appleton. Sure. So um, we're working for a Fortune 500 company in Appleton, Wisconsin that has a 600-acre parcel that had a a large corporate office in the center of it. Um, It only utilized up about, I mean, 40 acres of that 600 acres. And and they've been there for decades and um, their building is about 700,000 square feet. They used to have about 1,700 people coming to work in that office every day. And since the pandemic, it's down to about two or 300 people coming into that office every day and so um, they are in the process of considering downsizing and developing the property that they own and um and then building a new office there that is part of a mixed-use environment and um that's amenity rich you know um and it's offering the kinds of things tom's is talking about where um, employees at that office can walk to a restaurant to get lunch, or they can go for a walk in a beautiful public realm. Um, that there's, you know, transportation options for them to get to and from work. That they could even live uh, on that property nearby. So that that project is looking at, you know, a mixed-use sort of environment, primarily residential, but some office, some, you know, um, service, retail, shops, restaurants, those kinds of things that are um, built around a rich public realm, an amenity-based sort of public realm. So that's one of them that we're working on. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I would say that's come out of the pandemic is that during the pandemic, we started seeing a lot more interest in parks and open spaces, trails, and So a lot of the communities that we work with are looking to enhance their park and trail systems, and so there's been a lot of work in that area for us as well, whether it's system planning, um, capital improvement planning uh, in those parks, um, or the idea of developing new kinds of park spaces that um, are needed to address, again, these demographic shifts in community, right? Um, so, um you know, as your community changes, you need to offer amenities and park services and programs that that start to address those changes. One of those changes is really um, our aging communities, right? We're getting older. and so there are different needs um that we need to be building into these park systems and programs. So we have a lot of work in those well I, I would I would just add, Brian. I think one of the other areas that we're finding ourselves getting involved in is more projects around resiliency and uh, kind of restoration of some of our waterways in this region. So we're currently working with the Minnehaha Creek Watershed District on an innovative project in Hopkins, which uh, leverages the site they had to, to treat over 400 acres of stormwater that used to just dump directly into the creek um, and to uh, divert that and use it as a, an amenity and as a kind of organizing feature for a redevelopment along the Southwest LRT line um, and the Cedar Lake Trail um, in Hopkins. Um, and then we're also working on Phalen Creek in St. Paul Uh, on working with native communities to daylight that creek uh, from where where it leaves Lake Phelan uh, and works its way towards the Mississippi. Uh, So we're working on the first kind of two segments of that to daylight that creek and restore uh, the landscape. And then further down the creek we're actually working on the redevelopment of Ham's Brewery site um, which also sort of engages that creek corridor. Hmm. So, a lot more sort of resiliency
1: hmm. projects that we're getting involved. Well, Those sound like some great projects throughout the Twin Cities, then. And you mentioned Wisconsin. Um, how many different states are you working in right now? You have, I know that you're primarily in Minnesota and Wisconsin, right? But it sounds like you've got this national reputation too for some of the work you've been doing. And is that opening yeah. up doors?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes from our relationships locally, but we're working on housing in uh, free uh, apartment projects in Naples, Florida. We do a lot of multifamily housing, a lot of work on amenity spaces on the rooftops of Mm -hmm. of those projects. Um, So we've done housing projects in Chicago and Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, uh, and now Florida. And then I think the other area of our practice that is expanding is higher education. Uh, we're working on the University of Delaware campus right now. Uh, we've been doing some work for the University of South Carolina um, and, uh, and then a, a lot obviously locally the University of Minnesota, the mm-hmm. Minnesota state system, and then now some new work on private colleges in Wisconsin. So there's St. a lot of different parts of our practice. There. Mm-hmm. We've done a fair amount of work at St. Thomas University. Mm-hmm. Yep. been working at cool. St. Thomas for years, for decades.
1: Okay. And they're doing the new—is it the the ball fields there by the Highland Highland Bridge? Mm-hmm. Are you working on that or uh, any? We
2: we are not working on, on that project. Think, you know, they're working on the facial arena project. That they yeah. Um, uh, but we've, we've done a few dorms for them, uh, sure. and, uh, did their chapel, chapel renovation. Did their yeah. quadrant. Yeah, but we did two of their quads. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff going on.
2: The one that Tom mentioned in the is really yes. super exciting for us because it's a sort of a public private partnership, which I think is Almost necessary for success on a lot of these complicated, expensive projects like that. So, the, the watershed district, Minnehaha Creek Watershed District, is partnered with the Lattice Corporation to develop uh, not only a greenway along Minnehaha Creek, but to develop a mixed use community on that 17 acre site that incorporates all of these stormwater. Um, best management practices into the development and really creating amenities out of those stormwater features. So that project is under construction uh, now. And um, when eventually when the Southwest LRT line is built out and running, there's a, a new LRT stop that's kitty corner across the street that's going to provide Uh, mass, you know, public transportation for folks that end up living and working in this place. So it's really a cool project. You could live there and not have to own a vehicle and be able to get around to, uh, you know, employment centers and, um, sports venues or whatever in this community. So we're, we're pretty excited about that one too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground here. Any any parting thoughts before I let you go, Tom and Jeff?
2: No, I, I just think we're, we're really uh, proud about how our practice has evolved over 40 years. Um, and, you know, having the, you know, good fortune to work on so many, such a wide variety of projects. Uh, and with so many great local partners. Um, you know, this is really a, a great community when it comes to development and architecture and engineering. Uh, so, we're just proud to do our part.
1: Well, great. Well, good luck with all your projects and um, hopefully we can chat again soon. Yeah. Thanks,
2: Brian.
1: Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Brian.